It's that time again. It's Greek for the week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It's the Greek for the Week podcast. That's right. You're listening to Greek for the week. And man, that was a good radio intro. I got to work on my radio voice. I don't really have much of a radio voice. I haven't I haven't perfected that yet, but I'm, I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to take things one step at a time as we move forward with the podcast and give to you God's word, New Testament in the Greek. Um, Mark chapter 1, verse 41. We're going to go over there. And look at the gospel. Mark was the first gospel that was written. We are pretty sure of that. And, uh, of course, Matthew and Luke were derivatives of that from a different angle and perspective. But nevertheless, they are all the Word of God. And it's good to see things from different angles. Before you do that, I want to remind you that we have letters from Jesus. Studies from the seven churches of Revelation. Available on Amazon.com for pre-order right now. You say, why would I pre-order it? Why wouldn't you pre-order it? Then you're ahead of the game. That's one less thing that you have to do. One less thing that you have to remember. If you just pre-order it now while you're sitting there, you can play this podcast and pre-order it at the same time. I know you can do it if you have an iPhone. Because I have an iPhone here. And when I listen to podcasts, I surf the web as well. So before this is over... Jump on. Get letters from Jesus. Why would I get letters from Jesus? Well, if you enjoy Greek for the Week, you obviously do to some extent if you're listening to the podcast. We're going to be studying that book coming up. You're going to be missing out if you don't have it. It'll come right to your doorstep. Now, you could get it in the bookstores if you want, but it's one less thing you have to go out and do, right? I, You know, it's a hassle to have to drive, at least my bookstore. My Barnes & Nobles is out of the way. So I just like getting books on Amazon. It's a bigger choice anyway. And you get them cheaper usually. All right, Mark chapter 1 and verse number 41. We are going to an account where Jesus runs into a leper. Now, leprosy is a disease in my part of the world that we don't see as much. I mean, there are still some reported cases, but for the most part, it's not around my area, thank God. But I'm sure there's other places that have it. As I was looking and studying this, I noticed that there are leper colonies still in the world. We pray for those people and we believe God that he's going to work in their lives in a marvelous way. Leprosy was, of course, the terrible disease that caused people to be unclean. And, you know, leprosy didn't just have physical implications. It also had tremendous social implications. Making somebody unclean put you outside of the community of God's people in the Old Testament and made you unclean or unfit for any type of priestly service or any type of, of Hebraic service until you were no longer unclean, and you had to announce that you're unclean. It was stigmatic. I mean, I, I would imagine today that it was looked at as maybe some type of sexually transmitted disease. It had stigma to it. You're being unclean. You're not welcomed around the people of God. You are kind of disbanded, and that's why, you know, it's, it's stigmatized to have HIV, to have AIDS, to have some type of herpes or something like that. It made people just kind of, they just, they get different around you. And uh, they don't want anything, you know, that's how it is. That's why there's legislation now that's being passed that says you must tell somebody if you have the HIV virus, one of your partners, or it's against the law because people want to hide these things because it's socially stigmatized. And that's how leprosy was back in the day. And you had to go around telling everybody you had leprosy. And so it's not just physical implications, it's social implications. And, you know, Jesus had a mission, and that was to bring people back 
into a place of restoration, where they can be back into membership into the kingdom of God. And this is representative. You often see Jesus healing blind people as a representation that they were going to have spiritual sight, that he'd come to give spiritual sight. He, he was healing mute people as a representation or as a, a samos in Greek, which is a sign that he has come to open up the hearts of people so they could hear the word of the kingdom. And you also see him healing a lot of lepers. And the reason why he healed, he healed a lot of lepers is because it was representative, not just of the healing itself, but the fact that he was bringing people back into God's community. All right? Bringing people back into the community of God. I just want to make a note. If you hear, like, beeping in the back, there's a... <laughs> I have my window open and there's some construction going on outside. It's the big machine backing up. All right. But I don't want to close my window. I want to keep it open because it's got a nice breeze. So you just have to hear a little beeping. If I don't even know if you're hearing it on the back, but it's beeping. So anyway, we're going to keep rolling. All right. So healing a leper brings them back into the community of God. And this was important to Jesus. So it says in verse number 40 of Mark chapter 1, a leper came to him, imploring him. And this leper is imploring him. Oh, Jesus, please, please. Imploring him, begging him. Pericolon uh, is where we get the word paraclete, which is helper. The Holy Spirit is our paraclete. He's our helper. He's the one that does our bidding. That's where the word implore is, imploring him and kneeling. Now, you know, he's down on his knees, kneeling. If you will, can you make me clean? Now, the Greek text says something a little bit different than the English text, depending on what version you have, and that is because of a textual critical issue that I don't want to discuss. Textual criticism is not something I usually discuss on Greek for the week. I have never discussed textual variants on Greek for the week because I just think it's a little bit pedantic and over people's heads. Um, but let's just say that there are manuscripts that are found all over the world that contain the the, the Gospels or different portions of the New Testament. Sometimes these manuscripts, they by and large say the same thing, but they may vary from place to place with the word, and that's a manuscript. And if you have the majority text say A, and then you find one text that says B, and then you find another text that says B, and you have 99% of the text that say A, and maybe 1% of the text, although it may be a high, a high number, like 100 that say B, then that becomes a variant. And you say, okay, in these texts right here, and there's ways of numbering them, it says, you know, this says B, this says B, this says B, this says B, this says B. It's a variant. And people usually choose the oldest translations and the more difficult reading of it to make the case. And so we've run into a variant here because in and some English translations, you'll see that the word moved with pity here is K or Gizzo, which is more like move with anger, move with righteous indignation. But in the Greek, it's actually... Uh, we got to squint to see this. Splagnistes. Splagnistes. And I would say that if you look up your references, that the, this is probably the better reading. And, and kai splagnistes actenes ten herei autu efautu ke leu autu thelo kathristetai. Or in Jesus move a pity, he stretched out his hands and touched him and says, I will be clean. Now, this is really important. What would be the difference if Jesus was moved with righteous indignation? Some say he was a little bit angry or perturbed or frustrated that the man would even ask Jesus such a question, which I don't really think is what it's getting at here. I think it's getting at something a little bit more deeper, and I think it's suggesting that uh, for the more difficult translation, okay, splagnonistes, is that Jesus was moved with pity or moved with compassion, not with a righteous indignation at perhaps the man's question or the 
the, the, the treacherousness of the sickness and social implication of the sickness. I think he was really, really having compassion on the man as the text lends because the man's on his knees and he's imploring him. And I think Jesus has compassion on people that are sinners. That are, and and the, I'm not saying the leper was a sinner, maybe he was, but more this is representative of people that are outside of the community of God. And Jesus, the restorer of pe- people coming back into the new covenant community, he says, I'm going to have compassion on this man. I'm going to bring him physically back into the community of God by healing him as a representative represent uh, representation that he's coming to restore people back into fellowship with God. And this is a really interesting Greek word because it refers to splagnistes, refers to the guts of something, the inner parts of a sacrifice that were often removed and eaten, okay, after the sacrifice had taken place. It refers to, because of that, the inner parts of a human. It referred to the entrails of an animal that were used for prognostications, and, you know, different ways, so on and so forth. But it refers to the guts, your lungs and your heart and your kidneys and your spleen and your intestines, both small and large and, and so on and so forth. It refers to the guts. Well, you know, words take on meaning as that as they go. And this is because it's the center of a person became, became to refer to deep inward motions that come out of your, your stomach. And, you know, there is a mind and stomach connection. I was reading a research report by Harvard University that talked about the reason why uh, when something uh, probably serious or, you know, that's of consequence in your life takes place, you feel that in your stomach and you get up before you public speak or you get some bad news, you get some good news, uh, you forget an assignment, um, you see a text message from a certain person and, and you feel that in your stomach because your nervous center in your brain sends signals down to your stomach because it's all connected by way of nerves and there's a specific connection there. So when you have some type of emotion, you're going to feel it in your center, in your, in your, in your guts. And Jesus was, Jesus was feeling this in his gut at the time. This is what the scriptures tell us. And this is attesting to the humanity of Jesus, that he was just as much human as all of us, though he was 100% God. He was 100% human. Not half God, half human. He was 100 God, 100 human. It is an anomaly that's very difficult for us to understand, uh, being finite people. But nonetheless, we take that for what God's word has to say, 100% man, 100% God. But this is showing, okay, the human side of Jesus uh, Christological side that he's man, and he is uh, now feeling for this person. Now, this is extremely important for us to understand the implication that we get here is that Jesus' job, we say his job is Messiah. It was his job. He was going around the Messiah. I mean, he was his call. He was God. He was the Messiah. But this is what he did 24-7. And for you that are listening today that are ministers, this is a very important point that it wasn't just on-the-clock job for Jesus. It wasn't a rote thing that Jesus was doing, that, hey, I'm the Messiah, I gotta go and do punch-in, okay, it's morning time, I'm gonna have 100 people that line up and I have to pray for them, and let's just go through this and get this done, I'm gonna do the job, because it becomes so easy for us to that we do something for so long, we become separate emotionally from it. And I know this because I've been in ministry quite a bit, and I understand sometimes you can preach sermons and you can go do hospital visits and funerals and, and weddings, et cetera, et cetera, without being attached to it and just kind of do it and get it done and make sure that everybody hears the Word of God, but not having some type of human emotion to it. And that's not what it's saying here about Jesus. I mean, you know, there's surgeons. I, you know, uh, one of my cousins is married to a heart surgeon. She's very intelligent and uh, she's done all types of surgeries, and I usually get her surgeon stories. Uh, she works at one of the hospitals here locally. And, you know, she's, she tells me there's times that, you know, things that used to bother her that she used to see, like death and, and people dying on the table, they, they don't bother her as much now as they used to bother her. And, you know, especially at first, because you become callous to it, and it just becomes more of a job. Uh, in the surgery, I remember uh, my cousin, 
who's a nurse, she was watching the surgery that was taking place, and she said the doctors were in there listening to the radio, laughing and talking about the game while they were working on the person. It just becomes rote, on the clock, 24-7. I would be thinking, hey, man, I don't want to hurt this person. What are they going to think of me if they don't like the scar? And so you see how we sometimes de-emotionalize and detach ourselves from things. And this is not what it's saying about Jesus. It's saying that right up front in the ministry of Jesus, he was there with the people, he was very concerned, and it wasn't just a job, it was coming, there was a deep inward concern that was that Jesus was displaying. He was very concerned about these people. He was moved, he was moved with compassion. It was coming from the guts. When Jesus was healing people, he wanted to see them healed just as much as they wanted to be healed. That's what it's saying. And that serves to us today to understand that we, to be successful as ministers and preachers of the gospel, we need to be moved by people's hearts. We need to be moved with compassion when we see people that are hurting and they have trouble, when people are poor and they need to be fed, when people are sick and need to be healing, touched from the Lord Jesus, when people are, are, are their families are torn apart. This should break our heart. And I'm going to tell you, the only way to accomplish that, okay, is to be connected to the Holy Spirit through prayer. When you pray, you connect yourself to the heart of God, and you remain sensitive to the things of God. That's why in in theology uh, school and seminary, one of the books that I actually didn't have to read it, but uh, the class after me had to read it, the the, the students after me, was a book called How to Go Through Seminary and Stay Saved. And this is such a good book. I think it's available on Amazon. But if you get it, make sure you get Letters from Jesus, too. Um, (laughs) Is... uh, People ask me to recommend books from all the time, and I say, did you get my book? No, I didn't get your book. Well, I'm recommending that one to you first. <laughs> um, and I didn't read it, but it was good because you can go into seminary and not be, and not even be, you come out just a cold, hard, armchair theologian that everything, is, <laughs> everything looks good on paper, but it actually doesn't, it doesn't work because you're not moved with compassion. Lord Jesus, let that be far from us. Let us be moved by people no matter how long or how short we are in the ministry, because your heart is people. And of course, you see in verse 42, it says, and immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. In other words, they're made clean. This is extremely important, because this doesn't just mean that he was healed. It also infers social implications that he was brought back into the community of the people of God. He would have been able to go in and out of the temple as he pleased, and worship with people, symbolizing, of course, his restoration into the people of God. And so, I, you know, I want to challenge you here. This is really not related to Greek for the week in, in the words of Agnes of Thais. But look at when Jesus does miracles. They're always samos in the Greek, or signs. And they were pointing to another implication. That's what signs do. Signs point to something else. So when you see a sign, okay, it does, it, you might see, a, if you say, well, this eclipse was a sign. Okay, so it's the eclipse. But what does it mean? The sign is the meaning behind it all. So when Jesus did miracles, they also served as signs. When he did healings, they served as signs. What did it mean? So every time you see a miracle of Jesus in Scripture, you ready yourself to find out what was this pertaining to the mission of Jesus, the missiology of the church, uh, what Old Testament implications does it have? These are really great study questions. As Pentecostals, we sometimes get super excited about the miracle, like, he healed them, look at that. I can do that in my life too, and, and I want those miracles too, Lord Jesus, and thank God for them. But there's a reason why the Luke and Matthew and Mark, and then of course John later, they record certain specific miracles of Jesus, and they have kind of a bag of miracles. There's different things in the bag. There's healing of leprosy, healing of blind eyes, healing of, of deaf and mute, and casting out of devils. These This mixed bag right here, um, growing out of legs, okay, this, or arms, these, healing of fever, these things, a lot, most of them have something to do with kingdom, okay, points towards that, so look for that, it's a great way to study, all right, okay, that serves our lesson for today, now,
Remember, Greek for the Week, uh, first book, Letters from Jesus, is coming out September, but it's available now for pre-order. Make sure you go on. We're going to be having a new Greek for the Week Bible devotional plan coming out on version. You need to get it. Study it. It's going to be, I, I, I picked them from, there'll be seven, it'll be a week long, seven devotionals from the seven churches. You're going to learn about some things from the seven churches. It kind of gives you a sneak peek from the book, okay? And then, of course, when the book comes out, Greek for the Weeks, just get ready because they're going to be letters from Jesus, all right? Be blessed. God bless you. And may the Lord be with you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.